This is Simone Marie. Welcome to episode five of my podcast, Closer With. This week, I talk to presenter, campaigner, radio, TV host, and uh, night czar of London, amongst many other things, Amy LeMay. We caught up at around week nine of lockdown, so uh, clearly quite a lot has happened since then. But uh, a lot of things we talk about are very relevant, still relevant. We talk about nightlife closing and uh, how all of those places in society, arts and culture are going to try and be dealing with the aftermath of lockdown. Since speaking to Amy, there has been the launch of the Let the Music Play campaign, which concentrates on uh, trying to get funding for the live music sector, including all aspects of live music. Um, whether it's classical music, rock, pop, live venues, festivals, and, and all of the surrounding industries that, that go up to make the inclusive umbrella that is live music. So can't help but feel that a lot of the things we talk about are still incredibly poignant. But uh, it was an absolute joy speaking to Amy, and uh, I hope you enjoy. And hit the subscribe button to make sure that you get all future episodes. Thanks for listening. This is Amy LeMay, and you're listening to Simone Marie. So please welcome to the show the wonderful, the very talented and lovely Amy LeMay. Hi, Simone. Hi. (laughs) It's such a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for doing this. Oh, it's great to chat. (laughs) Yeah, it is, isn't it? I think just, I really, um, really don't take advantage uh, of the fact that you can just like, you know, talk to people even more and, and sort of reach out and communicate these days. It's funny, isn't it? It's really so important. Um, mm. I mean, especially like, I mean, this week is Mental Health Awareness Week, but quite yes. frankly, as far as I'm concerned, every week should be Mental Health Awareness Week. I was going to say that. I was <laughs> going to say that. I mean, uh, it's never been more apt as it or, or more important because I think, I mean, the mental health thing, it affects everybody 24-7. Yeah, you know? yeah, it and really does. More so right now, uh, people are really thrown out of their comfort zone, to say the least. That's an understatement. Yeah. Uh, I was just reading an article this morning um, saying that also, the, you know, the sort of the emotional work that has to be done around mm. coping with COVID-19. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of it really is falling more on women, you know, trying to balance everything in life um, is really yeah. hard. So... You know, but but everybody everybody is having a tough time dealing with it. To be honest, yeah. so. And how how are you doing? I mean, like first of all, how how are you, and how is your day? But how have also how have you been coping? Because we're about nine weeks or so, you know, give or take, depends mm. on when people actually started into this now. Right? How have you been? Yeah, well, I guess firstly, I should say like. I'm healthy, which is mm-hmm. great. Yeah, <laughs> I, I haven't been ill with COVID, good. which is really good. Um, and I have had some friends and colleagues who have been ill to varying degrees. And it's yeah. um, it's been a real kind of wake up call. So I've been super diligent, you know, really yeah. following the advice and doing the best that I can to stay safe and also just not wanting to you know, be an extra strain on the NHS or, well. you know, just staying well so that the yeah. people that are most in need can get the help that they need. Um, mm. So that, yeah, I'm um, I'm really privileged because I'm working from home and I have a job that enables me to do that. Um, and although a lot of my work as Night Czar has been, you know, it's changed. Mm. <laughs> I used to spend quite a lot of time out and about at night 
visiting, you know, premises, meeting with business owners, etc. That has obviously had to change. But, um, um, yeah, I was going to say this. I mean, nights are just one of your jobs for a start. We'll go back. I'm going to backtrack a little bit because you don't just do that. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I don't know what uh, planet you live on because you have more than 20 uh, 24 hours in your day I think basically <laughs> um but I mean yeah how has the, uh, your work as nights are changed because obviously you know part of that or a big part of that is promoting London's nightlife in the UK and internationally safeguarding venues across the city um you're also very much a figurehead for champion uh, London's LGBT community uh, and you're very I mean you were really heavily involved in the reopening of fabric nightclub you know things like mm. that that people may or may not know um how how has it changed the kind of work you're doing well I mean Simone like honestly everything just closed overnight yeah and well I should actually backtrack because things didn't close overnight. What happened was that the government had suggested that we should stay away from bars, pubs and clubs, um, but actually didn't give the clear guidance Mm -hmm. to owners and operators um, or the members of the general public that they should stay away for their own health and well-being. And I have to stress that like that week was was crazy because no one knew what to do operators and owners really wanted to do the right thing and you know they want they wanted everybody to stay healthy but they also felt very poorly prepared for you know going into a crisis that no one knew what was going to happen so my role has changed now in that overnight when that ban you know, and that those those mandatory closures came in. Mm. My role has been um, making sure that they have all the support that they are entitled to yeah. from the government, mm-hmm. um, which is not enough, I have to say. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> uh, and also that they that our nighttime venues are prepared that when it is time to reopen, mm. they're ready to reopen safely. Yeah, that's going to be quite. I mean, it might, there's two schools of thought, it might kind of very slowly come back and then there might be just a stampede, you know, because I... Well, yeah, yeah, it's interesting you say that because uh, one of the things I've been doing in these past weeks during lockdown is holding loads and loads of roundtables with different, Mm -hmm. with my different, like, stakeholders, like, you know, people working in bars, pubs and clubs, um, LGBTQ plus venues, um, you know, workers at night, you know, getting their views of, like, how how it's been for them. Mm And overwhelmingly, I'm hearing that venues, first of all, put want to put safety first. Yeah. So they don't want to welcome anyone back into their spaces mm-hmm. or places unless it's safe to do so. And secondly, they want to open at full capacity because yeah. if you if we phase it in, mm-hmm. uh, it's putting it the resources, especially for those smaller independent places and spaces that. I know you and I love so much, yeah, you know, the, the places that, like, <laughs> that only you only know if somebody tells you about it. Yeah. It's just like peppered with these amazing places that kind of come up here and there or they've been there for years. And you're like, how have I never known about this? I know. And they're the places that really like yeah. make London, London. Totally. And if we lose them, we lose them for good. So that's that's yeah. really where a lot of my energy is focused is on 
is on those smaller independent spaces. And they just don't have the resources that the bigger companies do to work out, okay, what is our COVID-19 procedure, you yeah. know, on reopening? What is, you know, it's all this kind of like, back, you know, back end stuff, <laughs> yeah. for want of a better word, that I'm really trying to help uh, help businesses with. Um it's been tough. I mean, and and we, the mayor and I have been working on a number of different things like the pay it forward campaign, mm-hmm. which is one way to try and get like people to say buy a round of drinks in their local pub or bar or, oh, like uh, you know, in advance. So then, oh, okay. so then you can, so then you can, you know, when the time comes for places to open up safely and, and everything that you can kind of Wow, go, I mean, just to help with the cash flow at the moment. Yeah, I think I might bankrupt know? myself if I go online and have a look at that. I know <laughs> all of all of the restaurants, all of the bars, will be like, "Oh wow, I, I have no money left." <laughs> I know it is quite it is quite easy to do that. Very like alluring. Spending spending money on things that you know, but it's really good, especially for those places like in your locality, like oh, near God, where you live, yeah. that you know you're going to support, or you know. We still don't know what's going to happen with social distancing. Mm. So, you know, it's best to kind of stay local as much as you can. I think so. Yeah. I I mean, I think there's a real sense that people really want to support their local bars, restaurants, uh, music venues. You know, I mean, I I saw today that Union Chapel are are doing a crowdfunder because they are running into so many problems. Um, And I think it's very hard. I, I mean, I'm not sure that running a music venue or any, you know, social bar restaurant there is a clause in the contract for what to do in a pandemic I feel like the the entire country was just I mean you know in the government to say everyone was underprepared is a bit of an understatement yeah yeah I mean it's interesting you say that about the clause because um a lot you know you've got to have insurance for your you know bar and most places have some sort of insurance to cover pandemics or or you know mm-hmm. uh, a breakout of some sort like if you have a restaurant for yeah. example and there's a breakout of e coli or you know it's yeah. not anything you'd ever wish for but you need the you need the yeah. insurance and and i think that what's happened is that a lot almost every space that uh, that i've talked spoken with they've not been able to claim on their insurance they've not been able to claim on their insurance they're not eligible for these retail leisure and hospitality grants right um that the government has been offering is that because um, they're too small and don't have enough income or they no it's actually because the property prices are too high in right. london so it's all based on something called you have to stop me if I get too technical. No, so I'm a bit of a nerd about no, this stuff. No, no, no. Oh, I see why you're doing your job because you know and you're passionate about this stuff. But I, I, just, just, just for my own benefit. No, but for everybody's benefit listening, I think it's really important that people know the yeah. details of this policy. Well, well, let me explain to you about the retail, leisure, and hospitality grant then, uh-huh. because this seems like oh, this is going to be great. Like you know, between ten and twenty-five thousand pounds grant mm. government grant so free money you don't have to pay it back it's available mm. to retail leisure and hospitality businesses so that includes bars pubs and clubs you know yeah. uh, um, and restaurants so the thing is is that there's a cap mm-hmm. so if you're if your business you have a, a rateable value for the premises that you occupy yeah and this is based on 
the value of the property that you occupy. So you don't have to own it. It's just like the business, you know, it's yeah, the business. So, you know, you, you rent a a space, you've got a bar in there, your rateable value, say in central London, it wouldn't be unusual to have a rateable value of sort of upwards of 80,000 pounds over a hundred thousand pounds rateable value. So that is how much you would pay in business rates every year to get your rubbish taken away Mm. to, you know, all your business services from, from your local council. Uh, Now (laughs) the thing is, is that that cap was set at 51 K. Right. And I can tell you that there are very, very few bars, pubs, clubs, and restaurants in London Mm that have a rateable value of 51K or under. So none of them have been able to access these government grants. Wow. And this this is proven to be a really difficult thing because to have 25,000 pounds to ease that cash flow at a time when when your cash flow has been reduced to zero overnight, this this could be a lifeline and unfortunately, mm. I feel like London is unduly suffering. And indeed, other cit- larger cities where the property prices are high, you know, because the rateable value is hooked to the value of the property. Do you think this um, is really exposing the infrastructure um, of, of how yeah. businesses are run, even to the general public? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, for example, I I won't name what nightclub, but there's a nightclub in the center of town Uh um, that everyone will know. It's been there for a long time. Uh Their rateable value is over uh, a quarter of a million pounds a year. And, And so this puts it into perspective about just how much support these places and spaces have been able to to get, which is not very much, to be honest. Nobody wants loans because that's just another albatross around the business's neck yeah it's a short-term solution to a a long-term problem so to say absolutely and who knows when we're going to get back up and running how if in what manner Mm. to what capacity I mean we what we've done at City Hall and what the mayor and I have done is is um trying to look after the most um the most vulnerable of all of our kind of culture at risk yeah and we see culture uh, as as much as the sort of higher end of what people might think, yeah. you know, opera, ballet, theater, blah, 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 yeah. as well as uh, London's bars, pubs, clubs, and cultural spaces. And the most vulnerable mm. of those are grassroots live music venues yeah. and LGBTQ plus spaces, because they're often running at absolutely paper thin um, profit margins they're providing community spaces for creativity mm. and they're the kinds of things that if we lose them they're gone forever so they the really are the fabric of us of us yeah in terms of soho centralized london area um you but know, even I... further afield you think about hackney you think about camden you yeah. think about brixton you think about you know Croydon mm. um uh, there's so many spaces all you know in inner and outer London yeah um so the the mayor has put together a, a crisis culture at risk fund mm-hmm. for um LGBTQ plus spaces and grassroots live music venues so we've got almost half a million pounds right for uh grassroots live music venues and just about a quarter of a million pounds for our LGBTQ wow. plus spaces I in mean, London it must be not you must be working non-stop 
Like, is this one well, of the busiest sort of periods in, in, a, in a way? Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, somebody, I somebody said to me, oh, you, your job must be really easy now because, oh, yeah, you right. know, you don't have to go out anywhere. And I'm oh, like, that's all you do. You just go out and get some free drinks and go home, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, the problem is I want places to go out to after all of this is over. Yes, exactly. exactly. I mean, like, getting a getting a delivery for a bottle of wine is just not the future is it no it really really isn't it really I can't wait no (laughs) I I mean you must be feeling that as well like you know I really am I really am I mean yeah we uh you know the band as as with so many other bands as well all bands really um we had gigs and and stuff lined up festivals for the whole um summer so we've had pretty much a year of work cancelled and you know hopefully reschedule to next year but and that's fine I'm 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 positive about what how it's going to be next year but I think it's going well it has already changed everything I mean um music was had already embraced the whole online culture but it's going to have to do it even more so now and and people are gonna have to find a way to monetize it um which will match the kind of thing that you would get physically being there I mean I I did see this thing today like it made me laugh on Twitter um uh my friend reposted it and it was just so absurd but could quite possibly happen where what is it a massive like field or a gigantic like car park and it was like the is this the future of festivals and it was like a stage with a band and like a drive-in cinema where people just drove in and watched it in their cars I just thought Oh God! No, <laughs> Car surfing. No, 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 no. I mean, you know, I, I understand that people have been trying to adapt quite sure. quickly to all of this. You know, especially yeah. for bands. Like, it must be so hard when you know bands rely so much on touring income. Yeah, I, mean, uh, I think you do. Like bands do a lot because a lot of money that comes in for bands isn't really from actual album sales anymore because it it gives way to streaming and stuff even though the buying physical music is coming back a lot but yeah I mean you're right so we need to we we need to make sure (laughs) that we're able to (laughs) no I want to be in a dark dingy basement spitting sawdust seeing the next big thing yeah you know and that's what drives me forward yeah. like oh my gosh it just I mean do, I live do you feel positive about how we can get out of this uh, do, you, do you feel like the government just just to go back a little bit do you feel the government are uh, uh, helping and preparing businesses enough financially to be able to accept all this business that comes after lockdown or are they just mm. businesses just completely unprepared for it well I think, like I said, the larger ones are um, because they've got the support and the infrastructure to help them do that. And what we have to make sure, certainly, you know, what our energies are focused on in City Hall is making sure that those independent businesses, those smaller places, those small and medium-sized enterprises are, you know, that are really the the backbone of of London and indeed the UK, like are able to get back up and running and so um yeah I guess my focus has been much more on the business side of things in the past past couple of months rather than the kind of cultural side of things um because we need to make sure that the business side is there in order to make the culture happen nobody could have ever planned for this is the government doing enough in my opinion no it needs to do more 
Um, it needs to do a lot more, particularly because we were the first sector to be closed mm -hmm. and will be the last sector to reopen. So we need better furloughing. We need the, that cap on uh, those, you know, business grants lifted yeah. uh, much higher so that we can get those grants. Um, and we need, you know, we need planning, mm. but pff, we're, yeah. tr we're trying our best. We're trying our best, but like, <laughs> well, <laughs> I just, I look forward to the day, Simone, where you and I can once again meet for a cool, refreshing glass of white wine and, oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> And, yeah. and and go and see a band somewhere really? in a basement. Yeah, I mean, what what are you missing most about the, the whole lockdown thing? I'm missing, I, I am missing gigs. Yeah. I'm missing gigs. I really am. And I mean, this goes on to, I guess, like part my other role, you know, having my show at Six Music on a Sunday and, you know, focus so much on, on new music and going to see live bands and, and You know, on my show, I talk a lot about the experience of mm. going out to gigs and the importance of these grassroots live music venues and stuff. And, you know, it's in my blood. Yeah. And so not being able to do that is so hard. Yeah, I know. It really is. And I, I live I live like within walking distance of quite quite a few grassroots live music venues at any night of the week. If I've got a night off and I'm like, mm, what should I do? Oh, I'll just go and see a band, you know, and within 10, 15 minutes walk, I can go and see something completely and totally unexpected. And I really miss that. Aww. I really miss that. I mean, people will know you from your show on Six Music. It's one of been, well, it's been like a writer, broadcaster, performer, um, and, and all kinds of stuff you do. How did you sort of gravitate into radio? Well, actually, it's, it's interesting. Um, I... I actually was uh, working in television. I was a TV presenter before I was a radio presenter right, yeah. back in the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that decade? Oh, <laughs> the 90s. I mean, it's not as good as the 80s. But no, yeah. it doesn't. <laughs> music wasn't, uh, what was better, 90s music or 80s music? Oh, uh, that's a tough oh, one. God. I don't know. I'd say 80s only because that's where, you know, mm. that was my era for listening to music yeah, me too. growing up as a teenager and stuff. Me but too, yeah. yeah, yeah. So and then I um, I, I, I started at GLR, which was then called Greater London Radio, yeah. <laughs> which then oh, morphed that, that into. Now, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and GLR was this sort of, um, yeah, it was a bit of a cultural mm. uh bubbling <laughs> melting pot of all sorts of people that now work in radio and broadcasting um you did pretty much bbc london with danny baker didn't you, you yeah know. yeah then glr became bbc london and wow. i worked with danny for 10 years and you know mm. and then yeah as is you did that oh, for 10 years yeah wow, okay. yeah yeah and i have my um i have my own show before that Then I left that to work with Danny because it was like, you know, a master class in radio every day yeah. um, working with him. Um, and yeah, and then then our show got canceled and I took a bit of a break mm. from radio. Uh, and I always wanted to be on Six Music because it's like my spiritual home, really. Uh, and I'm, yes, I love uh, your show. I remember I think one of the first shows I tuned into of yours, you were really um, gushing about B-52s. And I thought, oh, this is great. I feel like I found my, like, 
musical spirit animal. Listen to her, she's amazing. She's the yeah, okay, she's got good taste. Oh, oh like benchmark. You mark that show, you know. But it's yeah, I I do love love your show. You know, I wish we could hear more of you on there. To be honest, oh, I don't, I'm not meant to be brown nosing you, but you know, it's like, no, no, I I appreciate that. I mean, I you know, I love this station, and it's been hard because at the moment I had to go off air and that's mm. that was because they had to sort of move resources around so sure. my producer had to be put onto somebody else's show and right. you know it's like it's been like a chain of events around people getting ill and shielding and all sorts of things so mm. you know I'm off air for the moment on my regular slot but I'm gonna start like filling in a bit more for other presenters in the meantime so like this Sunday I'm sitting in for Karis and Yay! then the follow yeah the following Sunday I'm sitting in for Tom Robinson because it's his 70th birthday and we're doing like Is a really? whole Tom Robinson special He's a bit of a legend, on now playing he? oh yeah but, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah. so it's kind of enabling me to I guess like spread my wings a bit in other ways so no, it's yeah. all good it's all good do you see part of the family do you see a return to tv in the future at all TV. You, I mean, you hosted, was it BBC Two, the Gay Time TV, and then you went on to create yeah. your own, uh, you created and hosted, hello, uh, your own panel game show on Channel 4. Yeah. And you've been the panelist on Loose Women and lots of stuff. You were meant to I was the... a loose woman, believe that. <laughs> I mean, what? What is that <laughs> show like? <laughs> what is that like? It's quite surreal, isn't it? It's, that's another institution yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, that was intense. Uh, I don't think anybody could quite be prepared to be in the green room <laughs> with all of us as women. I, I don't know. I, I don't even. I don't even think my constitution is strong enough for quite that. Heavy. Quite heavy, man. <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, t for me, going back to TV, like it's not really something that. I'm thinking about like I I I'm really focused on my job as nights yeah. are and then the six music stuff is a nice compliment to that because it's my passion yeah um and you know and I and I think that's that's good yeah. you know I I realize that this job as nights are is massive and it's only going to get bigger mm. because of you know, we're increasing once all of this COVID stuff is over, you know, we're looking at ways of recovery. We have to be thinking about our city as a 24 hour city. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'm happy to step aside from TV. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. Well, the, the misconceptions <laughs> that people have about, about the job you do it as uh, nights are. Yeah. Yeah, don't Google me. Oh. Uh, all sorts of all sorts of horrible stuff came up. My brother, I was talking to my brother. We have these regular. Um, he's in Philly, okay. and every every Sunday we like spend an hour and we like we want to play records for each other, uh -huh. like over Zoom. Yeah, um, you know, and chatting and stuff because he's he's a musician and yeah. we're both like crazy about music. Yeah. And he was like, it was like I. I googled you the other day and there's all sorts of horrible stuff. I feel like I feel like there are moments, you know, that, that people don't especially anything to do with Merrill London or any, anything that that is kind of circumnaving government um choices or or uh, legislation and um it, uh, people just act and react without any of the actual vital information. I feel like you've been target mm. for some of those things when people don't actually understand what what the decision really is or what's been behind it. Yeah. Know? 
Hey, look, I think there's a number of different things at play. Firstly, I'm as passionate about London's life as night uh, at night yeah. as all these people that are complaining to me. Mm-hmm. So I get it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm actually like if I if I wasn't me, side, I I'd I'd be that annoying person going, What are you doing about this? What are you doing about that? You know. So so I totally get it. Um I guess like you know, going back to what we were talking about mental health awareness week, the kindness thing, mm. like actually I am, you know, on, I, I think I'm on the side of, you know, the angels in all of this. Mm. And, uh, and we're in a real mess when I yeah. took over the role as Knights are, it's the first time it's ever been instituted in London. Mm. We had had, we we're coming off the back of 10 years of losses of nightclubs and our, cherished like grassroots live music spaces and lgbtq plus spaces so i get it why people were angry i also get it why you know some people thought that they would be the right person to do it and that i was the wrong person to do it and i have to say there was maybe a little bit of misogyny you know um wrapped up in that i can definitely saying how can you know, because to be fair, and like Simone, you will know this mm-hmm. just as well as I, know I do, mean, man. That, <laughs> that, that our industry is very dominated by men and particular kinds of men that, you know, it's for, for have, maybe have. Certain, yeah, they, they really yeah. need to, to act a certain way to feel it in control. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And so I don't like playing that game. Exactly. So I'm game, just like it? carrying on doing it my way and. Somebody else might have been doing it a different way, but look, you know, the mayor has faith in me and the mayor has made this a priority for London and he will continue to make it a priority for London. Yeah. And so I'm going to give it my best shot. Hey, you only get the one chance to be the first night czar of London, right? (laughs) (laughs) I think you're doing it brilliantly. I mean, you were mayor. Let's just hang on a second, lady. Hang on there. Um, You were mayoress of Camden as well, weren't you? Yeah. I mean, that's a damn good title to have. Yeah. Did that prepare you for this? It must have. Oh, my gosh, yes. Was that more intense? I mean, Camden's pretty heady. If yeah, it's women. Was... I'd say Camden on the weekend is like, oh my god! I'll tell you what. You think you think going on loose women is tough? You try going to an age concerned tea dance in Camden Town Hall. <laughs> I know or not? I don't know. Talk about scrutiny. Um... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. But um, I think that uh, that that role. So it was it was a civic role. So it was a friend of mine who was the who served as the mayor. So he was the elected. Uh-huh counselor who served as mayor and he asked me he said oh Amy I think you'd make a great mayoress would you like to be my my consort my mayoress Mm. and he's a gay man I'm a lesbian and we thought oh this is quite fun like we'll be the first gay and lesbian couple (laughs) you know mayor and mayoress I want to be cool that man yeah yeah and it was so funny though no matter how many times it was in the press or anything you know people at those age concerned tea dance will come up and be like how's your husband oh, oh bless <laughs> you know okay. I know it was so sweet we kind of looked like a couple anyway okay. <laughs> and so um but I think that 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 really stood me in good stead for doing the role that I have now yeah as it was political civic 
uh, it's about the welfare of people, you know, mm. uh, and making sure that everyone is heard and that you're representing people fairly. Mm. Um, and yeah, we had some pretty good nights out in Camden as well. I like, <laughs> I think for me, the, the most fun thing I got to do was do, um, we were raising money for the Roundhouse. That was our charity Aww. for the year. Yeah. And I put together a, a, a mayoress's ball, which was mm-hmm. a, a, a fundraiser for the for the Roundhouse. And I got, get this, mm-hmm. who I got to DJ, Darvis Cocker. All right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Rowland. Oh, brilliant. I, I, you, I died and got dream into night, isn't it? I know oh, that would be your dream night. Oh. It was. I mean, to just, I, I love Kevin Rowland so yeah. much. Like, I. I feel like he's, he doesn't, he, he gets a lot of credit, but he doesn't get the credit he's too. He's just <laughs> such a mastermind. And yeah, um, that was an amazing night. <laughs> oh, that's so, so good. Um, have you, have you always been, I mean, you're, you're so, um, like you say, conscientious about, you know, things, um, uh, being good in society, being kind of, I wouldn't say p- politically correct, but being fair um, and kind of taking that onto your wing. Were you, were you always like that? Or was it something that you felt particularly passionate about when, when you moved to London? Um, well, <laughs> I think if you asked my siblings this question, they'd be like, Actually, Amy was always in the neighborhood out, like, you know, calling out, you know, as a 10 year old, calling out other people for racism. <laughs> Well, I can imagine this. This is what I want to know. Like, what was young Amy like? You're like, you're not allowed to do that. Like, yeah. Get home now. Yeah. <laughs> You've had way too many drinks. What are you doing? <laughs> At seven years old. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, okay. But I guess, like, first of all, I'm the eldest. Uh-huh. Okay. So I had, like, and I'm a girl, and I grew up mm. in a. Um, you know, in a very strict, traditional kind of like you know Irish Italian. Oh, you went out um, there. American household where uh-huh. girls were, you know, you were meant to do particular things and act in certain ways. Sure. And I thought that was really unfair. Yeah, I thought it was really unfair, and I could see that from a young age mm. that I was being treated differently from my brother, who's two years younger mm-hmm. than I am. Um, and, you know, and then I've got other sisters and, you know, and it, it becomes not just about me and how I'm treated, but how they're treated and how, you know, women, you know, more widely mm. are treated as less equal in society. Yeah. So I think, you know, maybe I was born a feminist, but if I wasn't, then I quickly became one, probably as yeah. soon as my brother was born <laughs> a couple <laughs> years later. <laughs> oh, what is that? And I- <laughs> Um, and then I guess, you know, also coming out, you know, yeah. as lesbian means that all of a sudden you're dealing with this, I, you know, the harsh reality that you are treated yeah. very differently. And I grew up, you know, at a time when it was difficult to come out. It was, you know, it was not easy. It was not easy at all. And yeah. even now we're still fighting for equality. Um, and people say, oh, but you know, you can get married now. And I just think, well, is that, is that the sign of equality? Yeah. It's, you it's know, not, is it? it's it, not really it's for me. In their attitudes who, who may not have accepted it before is when I think equality starts to kind of really 
yeah yeah so you know like i i I don't want it's not this isn't about like saying oh you should do this and you should do that and Mm -hmm. virtue signaling but it's more about like i guess how my upbringing and how my personal experience has formed my outlook in life so i'm always on the lookout Mm. for the underdog or for the that person's trying to do something a bit quirky or independent or trying to forge things in their own way yeah um, how do you think the the lgbt scene has is, is kind of changed over the last let's say 10 years in london oh my gosh massively a big question isn't it i mean yeah <laughs> well I, first uh, yeah, yeah sorry, go on. no first of all i'd say in the la- in the last well in sort of between 2007 and about 2018 Mm -hmm. we lost 61 percent of our lgbtq plus spaces in london oh god really i had no idea it was that yeah it was massive why isn't it document why do you is it documented (laughs) in the lgbt community or is it just that you don't really hear about it well i think um I think you don't hear about it maybe unless it's of a particular concern. Uh-huh. Um, one of the first things I did when I became Night Czar was to actually commission the research into this mm-hmm. because I knew there was a lot of anecdotal evidence. People were saying, oh, another place is shut. Oh, another place is shut. Right. We didn't have the data. And so I commissioned uh, University College London, UCL's Urban Lab, to to do this. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and that their research showed that loss. And it it was worse than I even ever could have imagined. And that is why alongside grassroots live music venues, you know, we, we put so much into making sure that these spaces in London are able to survive and thrive. Because yeah. they're the, you know, they're part of like our creative ecosystem it's like where all the it's where all the good stuff happens it's where all the dirty stuff happens it's where all the fun stuff happens it's where all the you know the culture you know sort of culture clash Mm. really happens Mm. and if we lose that then London just becomes like any other city yeah and we've seen it I mean unfortunately people don't necessarily see it until it happens to them like oh my favorite bars close oh my favorite shops close Mm. and I've definitely noticed this kind of working a lot in in soho the last let's say five years like so many businesses closing yeah you know just being taken over by kind of faceless you know well invested in other companies Mm. that i don't you know that if they didn't have that investment behind them from perhaps overseas investment which a lot of soho has i don't think they would survive yeah i mean this is it's a really good point simone and i guess what a lot of these places share like LGBT spaces, mm. grassroots live music venues, um, you know, independent pubs, mm. places like that that we love, that they all share similar threats. Yeah. And that's what the research also showed was that the threats are uh, rise in rents, like rising commercial rents. Yeah. And those were driven up by those big com- those companies that had, you know, equity behind them or yeah. 
you know, some kind of funding. So I don't want to name names, but, you know, well, big chain restaurants or whatever that, yeah, you know, getting... push, <laughs> yeah. push the price up for the rent, yeah. which prices those independent businesses out. So they all experience that as a threat, mm-hmm. threat of rise in, in rates, in, in rents, rise in business rates. So the government um, uh, revised business rates and pretty much everybody got a hike in business rates at a time that was very difficult financially for them. Um, And then there's the threat of commercial development of, Mm. you know, places just being knocked down and, and not being rebuilt. And we used to do this all the time. Oh, it's okay. It doesn't matter. I will knock that down. You know, nobody will miss it. And actually you don't miss it till it's gone. It's like the Joni Mitchell song, you know, (laughs) you know, big yellow taxi. It's like, I mean, it is, it is. It is. I mean, even I remember when. Um, well, I don't know if we can name names, but I, I, you just see so many. Um, you're like, wow, another Boots. Wow, another Starbucks. Wow, another this that. You know, it's sort yeah. of like. And then the I remember the vintage magazine closed at, on the corner of Brewer Street and Great Wimble Street. Yeah. I loved that shop. You know, and, and you're like, oh, really? Yeah. I, I, I think be online, but really, mm. that part of the allure and and the attraction of that was just kind of I've got half an hour to to kill I'm just gonna go in and look at old covers of enemy and like remember my youth man <laughs> yeah. you know you know those kind of like the big newspaper type ones and and give you like ideas for presence and I yeah know, I, I think a lot of it is is nostalgia and I think that's what we're losing and that kind of real character and that grittiness of Soho I'll tell you there's a place that I really miss and it's not because I ever went there because it wasn't like my crowd but every time I walk past and they were spilling out onto the street and I'd just be like I'm so glad this place exists you know the golf pub um oh which one (laughs) do you remember the golf pub in Soho I can't remember I mean it 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 shut a couple years ago I think of garlic and shots as being the most gothy place but it's not is it no, there was like a big golf pub. I'm sure one of your no, listeners is like um, shouting now. No, no at like golf. it's on the corner no, no and golf, the one that was the Intrepid Fox. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm like I never went in there Love to drink, but I was like I'm yeah. so happy this place exists. Me too. Long may this place last, you know. And yeah. when it closed, I was just like heartbroken cuz you just think that's a whole culture mm. displaced, a whole a whole space where, you know, older people can get together and be nostalgic, mm. <laughs> but also that younger people can explore their identity and work out who they are and what kind of music they like and meet friends and that's potential lovers and yeah. all sorts that's of the things. Most thing. uh, <laughs> <laughs> Don't even go there. Ooh, do not. Yeah. Uh, do uh, not. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I miss you, girl. Through the red, through the red button podcast. <laughs> Me, and you, Simone. Got it. Me, I'm like. I mean, do you think? But that is a great point. Do you think that London is um, creating enough space for you, for people to really express themselves? Because a lot of those, you know, on the fringe, super kind of maybe counterculture places, just aren't funded enough, and it's so sad to think that a lot of these places might not make it through you know do you think the the government help is there it's just not being dispersed equally or this is not a priority for them I'm I'm not so I'm not sure yeah to be honest um because I 
you know, I think anybody trying to work out the logic of what the government has done or is going to do, um, it wasn't know, really a clear unless you got a crystal ball, <laughs> it's hard. Um, but all I know from from London's perspective mm. is that these places are really important. So, like, alongside the f- the emergency funding we put for LGBTQ plus spaces and grassroots live music spaces, mm. we also put um, one and a half million into artist studios. Oh, wow. So, and this is money that's going to go directly to artists uh-huh. to help them pay the rent yeah. on their studio spaces. That's amazing. So, yeah. So again, like, who's thinking about these people? You know, it's it's quite it's quite granular. You know, in ter- in terms of government, just likes big broad brushstrokes. But in yeah. London, we're able to take a look at the finer detail. And, very, um, very, very true. Lots of organisations are are there just underneath the government it's like the people are really helping the people more yeah. so than, than anything else that's coming from like government yeah really. and i think it's going to become even more important that mm. you know it really is simone like as we recover like we're gonna really need to look at how we support each other and make some important decisions because look we're going looks like we're going to be going into a recession yeah how are we going to spend what little money we have yeah i've seen that i, I mean it was uh, it stands to reason that we would and it's going to be a, a long period of recovery but um it's really uncertain isn't it? it it's really it's it's more important than ever that people are just there for each other you know uh just yep. in terms of human to human picking up the phone how are you and um i think in some ways it's put us all in this sense of um real open vulnerability or maybe like an enforced vulnerability but like one of the things I thought a while back when this sort of started was how much I've spoken to people in the last few months I haven't spoken to in like a year and how much you kind of go when someone says how are you doing you just actually give them an honest answer because everyone else is having a bit of a shit time so it's okay there's no stigma in saying I'm really struggling I really don't know what was going on at the moment I feel really lost and I feel like if anything, it might be a time where people can bond a little bit on that level. Yeah. Kindness. 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 I think kindness is is going to become super important, more important than it ever has been. Yeah. Um, on that note, I sent you a care package of eight cases of wine. So you know. Shut up. <laughs> you? Oh, my God. <laughs> well, so just couple is, like, not being able to go out. <laughs> Long may lockdown continue. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> yeah, I know. Mean, oh. hey, yeah, no I know. Yay. <gasps> what? Yay. Oh, no. Yay. No. Oh, my God. It's hard, isn't it? It is, I think. It is. I mean, if you, I kind of feel like a lot of the music industry has really come together, though, and, um, mm. you know, supporting each other. But what, what would you say, you know, the likes of just the general public can do to, to support their venues? Like, what can we do? Yeah, well, I think supporting artists and venues is always the best thing you could do. So one of the things I've been trying to do is like buy some buy some vinyl, yeah. you know, new, new vinyl new from, you know, albums that have just come out. Um, and and also so like um, I just bought the new Ghost Poet. I, uh, how good is that? I album? know. I know it's oh. mind blowing. Perfect for um, this moment in time. Not that he knew that only this was going to happen, but it really does suit the no. mood. Same with Corner Shop. Have yeah. you heard their? I haven't um, heard all of uh, it, but I like what I've heard. Oh, it's incredible. 
Um, and I got the co- special colored vinyl. It's like a one pink and one orange. Oh, I love, I, mean, I love a bit of colored so vinyl. Good. I don't care what, I don't care what the band is, even if it's terrible. If it's colored vinyl, I'm like, oh, I know, God. I know. Just and then I've been trying ones. to like, yeah, I've been the marble ones are. I, I love what, like, I saw. I was watching something online about how they're made as well. I must really seen that. Cool. It was very. Yeah, I found it really sexy. Cool. Yeah, weird is it that? is. It's like just keep watching it over and over. Look at the colors. And I guess like it's given me a little bit of time to explore some like record shops online yeah. that I don't get to visit in person so much. So like I'm a I'm a big fan of Monorail um, in Glasgow, which is such an incredible record shop and run by Stephen from the pastels and mm. just like following like them Stephen. online. Yeah. And I just got like a little bit more time to kind of go, Oh, what's Stephen from the pastels listening to? Oh, I'll listen to that too. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then trying to make sure I buy the album as well yeah. from them, you know, fantastic. And- like music shops and labels direct. It- and that goes to the artist as well you know especially when you're yeah. with the labels um yeah yeah and supporting like venues if they're on the mayor of mm-hmm. london's pay it forward thing like you can do that mm-hmm. or you know some of them are just having just straightforward kind of like um you know donation drives or yeah. whatever you know yeah. i bought tickets for some big weekender that apparently is going to be happening at some point in the future Great. at uh, Tulse Hill Tavern. Oh, okay. Um, which the lineup was incredible. It was like every every band from South London you ever wanted to see in one place at one time. Wow. And I was like, I'm in. I don't know when it's going to happen, but they they got my money. (laughs) Oh my god! I'm dancing. I mean, yeah. There's no FOMO at the moment, which is a little bit of relief. But you know, yeah. By the end of the year, I mean, God. I suppose that's one way. If if festivals or bands can maybe release tickets for forthcoming upcoming tours next year, maybe that's one way of trying to get a bit of money in now. Yeah, I'm gonna release the album in thirty thirty. So if someone could just you know drop me ten grand, that'll be great. (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. Next date? When is your like? Do you have a date in the future that you think? Okay, this is when we might be able to get the band back together. God, it's so far ahead. I um, (laughs) it's funny because I I always funny enough not to sound like an ass but I I think a year ahead of myself you know just in all in all ways and um (laughs) not in all ways actually like not like what am I going to wear like this time next year or anything (laughs) uh I we were going to do a gig in October well we are scheduled to do a gig in October for the NHS and NHS charities Uh with Liam Gallagher um we don't know about that I don't know about that yeah because it's at the O2 and I don't know how we're going to socially distance at the O2 seeing as it's a sold out gig Unless any, everybody comes in a, a fireman's outfit with breathing apparatus, yeah. which is really not probably a great vibe. Yeah. Not going to happen. Um, so we'll see. But I kind of think next year, really. I do see some bands scheduling for September, October, November. Um, I just nobody knows, you know. Yeah. Knows it's it's um. Yeah. Who knows? Keep on keeping on. Keep on keeping I mean on. that's. Yeah, I mean, um, have you been asked to do a lot of things like kind of interviews and playlists and all that stuff? Because there is a bit of a need, more need now for online content. And now we're all living a much greater portion of our lives online. 
um if you've been on yeah well when i got your request and i was like hell yeah oh yeah <laughs> i send you that so, check out. <laughs> um and yeah i've been doing a few little bits and bobs yeah. um i did something for the 100 club the other day right it's one of my favorite venues yeah. um there's a band called melt yourself down yes um they've been doing some stuff online i've been i've also been enjoying just like being a participant as well like yeah. just watching so I don't know if you've been watching any of Jarvis Cocker's um stuff he's been doing on yeah Instagram, on Instagram. live yeah I mean I'm loving the, te- the tech's been a bit dodgy I have to say <laughs> definitely you definitely beat him in the tech department Simone because like I was like he needs some help wherever he is isn't that just so endearingly Jarvis like it doesn't matter well yeah only Jarvis could get away with it yeah. it's like oops it didn't work sorry <laughs> The Instagram thing, so like, yeah, I, it's, um, oh, I, I'm not very good with the visual. Like, I really love talking to people and doing like audio stuff. But when I have, I do have to do a few things actually on camera. If it involves anything where I have to see my face while I'm talking, it's a bit of a no-no. It's like, it's a bit like when you sit in a restaurant and you're you're just placed where you can like watch yourself eating through a mirror. Oh, like, oh God! I, nobody wants to watch themselves eat or talk. Or well, maybe some people no. do actually. What am I saying? But um, <laughs> we both know who they are. <laughs> oh yeah. Hi. Um, that's your the red button conversation again. <laughs> um, this podcast contain explicit content. I sure it does, but not the way you think. Um, no, I mean um. I can't wait to see you guys live again. That was like one of my best gigs. Oh bless you! Oh yeah, you came. It to was London. Yeah, oh. it was so great to see. You. I was hanging out with your dad. My dad, he lo- by the way, he loves you. He raved about you. Really? I spoke to him on the phone the other day, and, and he mentioned you. He goes, "How are you? Oh. How are you? Great, I liked her. Honestly, he was so lo- he was so proud. But, yeah, so proud. Yeah. Oh, it was I mean, great. Your folks must be proud. You've achieved so so much in in, in your family and stuff. So- well, I don't know. They're not really the types to yeah. say it. <laughs> Okay. Oh, God, that's another podcast, isn't it? Yeah. Next. No, don't. Red button. <laughs> I mean, you you grew up. Uh, I'll edit that bit out. You you grew up in New Jersey. I mean, what was was apart from you know telling people um, when to go out and um, ordering them around as a child? <laughs> when did you? Um, no, I don't mean that. When, when when did the love for music start? Like, what were some of the bands that really sort of tapped into your love for music as it as yeah. a young kid? Yeah, that's a, a really interesting question because I grew up in New Jersey in an area which is the kind of vortex of Bruce Springsteen and John Bon Jovi. So like if you drew a Venn diagram in New Jersey and be like, what's the bit where Bruce Springsteen overlaps with John Bon Jovi? That's like exactly where I'm from. Wow, you're like like a birth child or something. I saw a cleaning company the other day called Spruce Springsteen. Oh my god! Well, it certainly does. I need them sent round immediately. I'm gonna call. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick. Up. My life is a pigsty. Smiles and sings. What is a vampire? My life is a pig. Yeah. And so, first of all, I had no idea that anything besides guitar music really existed. For That's okay. Of- 
and um and so like when I first heard like synth like I, and I went you know I did like this exchange which was very unusual for kids in my area mm -hmm. like I, I definitely had ideas above my station like I was like I'm going on an exchange trip to France Love it. and everyone was like where's France it's like people don't even go to New York and it's like an hour away um, and, and so <laughs> I went to France and then like I brought all of my tapes like with me mm -hmm. to play for my um, you know my host brother mm. and I brought the Ramones wow was that was the first band I saw live I was 15 mm. I saw the Ramones live and oh just like in a God. small grassroots live music venue wow. in in our neighborhood and so I brought the Ramones and they were like you know typical kind of French like shrugging the shoulders ball oh c'est nul c'est nul ça and then they just put on Depeche Mode and I was like also good, oh yeah. my god oh wow I've never heard anything like it. Oh, what was the like song? seriously? What, what, no, I know what you mean. Was, what was the first song by Depeche Mode? Um, I mean, it probably was something like "New Life" or something mm. like that. You know, and oh, it just blew my mind because it was just a sound that was totally alien to me. Yeah, and and that just sort of opened up a whole new horizon. Then my brother was in loads of bands and. Mm -hmm. You know, he had his drum kit right above my bedroom. And I so I of him. Yeah, <laughs> I know. But he was into like Iron Maiden and stuff like that. So I, you know, <laughs> we would have battles, battles of the band to be like, he's turning up his Ozzy Osbourne as I was like, you know, yeah. turning up my style council really loudly. Yeah. <laughs> like, like an awesome house. I want to live there forever. <laughs> and then my sisters were like into new kids on the block. So I just, yeah, we just ignored them. Oh, oh but, God, uh... I didn't have that phase. I mean, I tried, to, I tried, I tried therapy, but it's still there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what happened to those. <laughs> but I guess like being growing up in a place where music and the identity of music is so entrenched in where you're from so like being from New Jersey be like the equivalent of like it's like being from um a combination of like Essex and Liverpool mm. something like that where Yikes. you're always everybody's make make you know thinks that you're tacky <laughs> like mm -hmm. big hair high heels long nails mm. fake tan fast cars you know but secretly they're really jealous <laughs> because you know there's this kind of authentic a uh, very deep-rooted, almost tribalistic sense of working-class yeah. culture that's grounded in music and yeah. in in the beach in the in the seaside where I grew up, and mm -hmm. and so it's it's a, such a strong identity that will never leave me. Mm. Um, I love that. Yeah, I, I really love that. And, I, and when you when you came to London, did you, did your musical kind of palette change a lot more to sort of suit the surroundings of, of your like newfound home? Well, no, I felt like when I was coming to London, I was actually living the dream that I wanted to live. Yeah. Which was where I'm walking around and everything's a Smiths lyric. <laughs> That's and I was like, excellent. You know, I would just like go into the shop and be like, oh my God, there's Tizer. You know? <laughs> like, wow, how many times Tizer for years? I didn't know what Tizer was. I was like, why is, you know, why is Marcy singing about Tizer? 
Yeah. I had no idea. You know, like all these yeah. little things that you just like, oh my God, you know, it's, it sings about Piccadilly Park. I'm in Piccadilly Circus. Oh my God. It's, it's a bit like Square. Oh New York and you see all of the film scenes that were kind of there and you feel like you've, you've moved into another dimension of your yeah. your your backdrop in a way yeah so uh, it's funny um I watched this really brilliant film in lockdown that kind mm. of is exactly that story and it's called blinded by the light oh wow um and it's it's uh it's directed by Gurinder Chada who did like Bended Like Beckham okay. and um, stuff like that and it's based it's based on a true story it's based on this kid this like young Pakistani kid who like grows up in Luton mm-hmm. and gets turned on to Bruce Springsteen's music. Yeah. And how that kind of opens up a whole new world for him. Wow. And how he wins his competition and he goes to New Jersey. Oh, <laughs> it's like reverse. <laughs> I, I was like, this is my reverse. Oh! <laughs> but, but for anybody, I mean, it's for anybody who loves music yeah. and it's a really it's a really funny and it's a very uplifting oh, film as well i'd really highly recommend it it's like totally escapist yeah very very funny kind of like set in the 80s you know in school mm. you know it's, it's sort of school age 15 16 17 That's so, great. so yeah oh, I love it. <laughs> it's, um... so rock on jersey yeah <laughs> wow what i mean you mentioned seeing uh, the ramones at 15 years old wow what's what would you say is like maybe one or if there's a couple of the most memorable live shows that you can think of oh my god like the ones um, that you just go oh i would because we can't see any i mean live music is a no-go right now what what kind of comes to mind when you think oh i'd love to go back well, to one imme- of those. yeah immediately i think of grace jones oh yes at the barrowlands with sly and robbie opening up holy her. mother of moses I know. You mean Glasgow Barrowlands, right? Yeah, yeah. That's one of my favourite venues. There is something going on in that building. and Special ley lines there of just magnificence. And and it was like one of those kind of weekends that happens that you don't really – fully comprehend yeah the magnitude of what you what you're getting yourself into I love those. <laughs> now there that is what I'm missing those weekends um because we we went to that gig and I was with one of my best friends Alan who's from Glasgow lives up yeah. there and runs clubs and stuff and yeah so we, we did that and then we went to Optimo uh-huh. uh which sadly no longer running but um I'm sure I'm sure Bobby knows all about Optimo yeah. and uh, um, a legendary Glasgow club night um, and we went there and sort of finished up at about five six in the morning mm-hmm. singing to Nina Simone wow you know on the dance floor oh. it's I, it's I love nights like that so good I mean you must have yeah. had um, as well as all the live shows you you must have been able to chat to some amazing guests doing the the Six Music Show as well. Like, are there any major highlights that come to mind? You think um, about that? Yeah, I guess like you know, <laughs> one it's a bit obscure, but no, like um, one that I, I was really really thrilled to be able to interview Etienne Dao who's a French artist, um, who I got introduced to, got to know his music through, like, doing that French exchange. And I just, like, became a bit obsessed with his music. And he's worked with, like, 
so many amazing people. Yeah. He's kind of one of these artists that I think if he sang in English would, you know, he would have like probably cut through yeah. a bit more. But mind you, he, you know, he played a totally sold out gig last year at um, the Electric in Brixton, uh-huh. but largely to French audience. But he is so incredibly talented and I got him to come on um my radio show and I interviewed him and that was really special yeah that was special for me because it meant something to me (laughs) and I guess that's the that's the lovely thing about having the show is that like I hope my enthusiasm even if other people don't aren't entirely au fait you know with the artist or the music or whatever that hopefully my enthusiasm can help I think it really does that that's what struck me when I first heard heard your show I was like this woman just loves every record she's playing no, <laughs> I love that it's there's like, not enough time in in life or the world to play every good record I just remember honestly. you sounding so excited to be on the radio and playing records and it's like I love this you know that's more that's going the distance that's not just a presenter that's like a music a, a yeah. fanatic you know, is that it's you, a privilege. It's living the dream. Like like, I mean, it is. Like, it is living the dream. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> I'm under no illusion because <laughs> that is precious. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, do you find? I guess the only thing is just you can't swear and you have to reel that in. I know. <laughs> I know. I make up for it when I'm not on air. <laughs> Everybody, a swear cabin like going like after. Oh, it's really hard. Also, being nights are because like you know. I have to not swear in front of people and but in front of my team not do any of your jobs (laughs) in front of my team they're like oh that's okay that's the night star she's very sweary it's okay (laughs) she has to get it out somehow (laughs) mouth of filth Amy and Amy coming down the street oh god (laughs) God, you could be in any band <gasps> Who whose band would you be in? And I want to be in your band. I all right. So what instrument would you play? Would you be the bass player of Primal Scream? Then you can have that because it's just a hypothetical question. No, I don't want your job. I don't want to take away no, your but job. Like, it's, you know, it's like all star fantasy. I can be in that band, but play, be the drummer or the singer. Like, who would you choose? Uh oh, god. You can have Scream and another one. Do you know what I quite um? So, uh, I could see myself. Not that I have any talent to back this I'll up. I'll give over. So no, I don't. I've got no talent. I didn't want to no pursue no. <laughs> after something. I'm very good at the cello. No, um, <laughs> I've got zero music. I mean, I missed that boat. Like, I, you know, I wanted to learn as a kid. My parents just didn't have the money, the inclination, nothing. With so untapped talent um, there, I mean. Yeah, untapped. yeah. Um, so I'd say either like keyboards or maybe drums. Oh, can you know, you'd be on a drum kit. Yeah, Thrashing yeah. Like double drum. I, I like drums. I like drummers. They're always like totally mad. And yeah. you know the step. Is it the guy step tour where he gets on that rail and it goes upside down and around? And <laughs> and that, well, I know that'll do, it? Just nodding, yeah. just low key yeah. stuff, you know. Yeah, and if I could sing, I would like to. I don't know if I'd like to be a singer now. Maybe in my early like when I was younger but I reckon you could sing because you have a good tone in your voice you could do some singing no I don't know I need some lessons that's for sure I've broken karaoke machines (laughs) in in every in every your your best what is your what is your like go-to karaoke song 
Oh my gosh. Well, you meant, I mean, now you opened that tin of worms. You said karaoke. So, you know. Uh, gosh, karaoke. I haven't done karaoke in so long. Mm. Um, but. Uh, lockdown. Yeah. I mean, I always like a duet. Yeah. Because <laughs> it, it kind of, you know, it spreads the. Um... <laughs> the embarrassment and shame. It's like <laughs> yeah. between the two people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll be, I'll be Kenny Rogers to your Dolly part. Okay. And... I'll be in the telephonic <laughs> spree in that case there. I'm just going to hide. <laughs> I'll be hiding. I'll be your Aretha Franklin, oh, to, right. and you can be George Michael. <laughs> oh, I knew you were waiting. <laughs> I knew you were waiting. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, maybe this is like podcast, like the the, the second bit, you know, the unedited one. You oh, know, my you God. You do like um, laptop karaoke. And I'm copywriting this. If anyone's listening, they do it. I swear to God. 50 people yeah. over here. Hello. It's your idea. Um, Absolutely. <clears throat> I um I'm I'm gonna ooh, I'm I'm gonna let you get on with your day, but mm. um just one it's another hypothetical question. This <laughs> 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 is all over, all right, and they've found a cure. Um and for what? well <laughs> the Tories they found a cure. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll let it send the sum of it. They found the cure for Boris Johnson and Trump. Um, <laughs> it's not injecting Dettel up your anus. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. We went there. We there. Um, yeah, so they found a cure for the virus, okay? And, and uh-huh. we can see each other again and we can hug and, and you know, all that kind of personal contact. Um you putting together a show to celebrate this. You can have five live acts. Who are they? Oh shit. Um, so do they have to like still be in existence or can I think I... yeah, I think yeah, because you never know, it might happen. You can pull some strings, so it might happen. You know. But yeah, let's let's say, you know, in theory they're alive. Okay, so they've got to all be alive and the band's still gotta be together. Okay. Yeah. Um Okay, I'm totally going to go like, uh, I'm going to start with retro. I'll tell you what I was listening to over the weekend Please. that I really love, which was um, Dexy's first album, Searching for the Young Soul Rebels. Amazing. So I'd like to I'd like to get the band back together. They probably don't talk to each other, at least don't talk to Kevin. I mean, that's total conjecture. I don't know. They might be best friends. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm literally looking through my records, my stack of records right now. Oh, wow. Um, to see. So, okay, so we've got Dexy's. New kids on the block. Um, yeah, you might have to. You might have to edit some of this. Take a little, I little edit while. Like, mm, rock follies. Only say the cool stuff. Only say the cool stuff. <laughs> I know. Sugar Hill Gang. Oh. Okay. Maybe we'll get. Maybe we'll get the Sugar Hill Gang. That sounds good. Should we me. get Sugar Hill Gang? Yeah, go on. Um, oh my God. Nickel Brown, so many men, so little time. No, I'll just pass. You can say Nickel back then. Like, um, oh my gosh! Now my record collection's getting really embarrassing. I'm getting to the back. Uh, um, I would, I would love, you know, I'd like to get the Smiths back together. It, it wouldn't be pretty. It wouldn't be pretty. It's, I mean, that definitely wouldn't happen. It's I, not going to um, happen, and it would never. And Boris is not so popular these days. Let's let's face. No, he's not. And but musically, uh, if you can just 
if you can just dispassionately look at it musically, I, I hear what you're saying. That is the band that I never saw live. Oh. That I really wish I could have seen live. I would get Grace Jones. I mean, she's oh. you know she was meant to be doing Meltdown, um, Meltdown this yeah. year, but she's going to do it next year Good. instead. So I would definitely put Grace Jones in that. Um, it was her birthday, wasn't it? Was it yesterday? Yeah, yeah. She's ageless. She I mean, really honestly. is. I saw her live at a festival <sighs> not long ago, and um, was so lucky I got to watch her from the side of the stage and do all the costume changes and, and all that and see the band yeah. up close. And oh, kind of went out to the front afterwards because her show is so incredibly beautiful and visual. But um, yeah. yeah, you know, one of the tracks, she's gone up the stairs and she's in a wind machine in this like massive dress and this big headset and the wind blows up and she's got this enormous dildo on underneath. <laughs> you know, I'm like, go on! <laughs> and these, you know, seven inch stilettos. She's unbelievable. Yeah. Goddess. Yeah. Um, how many bands do I have left? Oh, five. So hang on. How, well, let me get. Um, so we've got Dexies. Um, we've got Grace Jones. We've got. Who was the other one? Oh, I'm not allowed the Smiths because they're broken up. Okay. Um, but was there another one in between? Or was it just the Smiths? Uh, no, it was Dexies and Grace Jones that you decided on. Yeah. Okay. Um, Okay, who else? Mm, let me think. Let me have a little, you know what, I'm going to have a little look at my playlist for this weekend because yeah. I've been putting together my playlist for Karis. Um, and uh, inside information. Yeah. Um, and let's see, who have I put in? You know what? Mm. Um, uh, maybe I'll just like choose, choose all new bands that I'm really into. Yeah. So. Um, that was the I, question actually. So that fits in. Yeah, there's this band called Spinning Coin mm-hmm. um, that are really good. Yeah, uh, and so, so I've put uh, in a track from them. Mm-hmm. Um, another one called Do you know Art Brute? Yeah, I really love Very Art cool. Brute. Yeah. Um, and the lovely eggs mm-hmm. and a uh, bit of retro Joseph K. Are we getting rid of Grace Jones and Dexies? Oh, do I have to? No. So that can that we have like the can we have like the nostalgia bit and then the new bit? Yeah, absolutely. It's your you can create it however you want. So we got Dexies, Grace Jones, spinning coins, um, warm doucher. Oh, oh my god, oh, have you seen doucher. them line? I was meant to be DJing for them at, at Heaven. Oh. I'm going to be doing it when they next gig. But yeah, oh. I you know, it's so much fun, isn't it? I mean, oh my god, they're, they're, they're great. Bonkers. They're so I love them. I've heard some of their interviews as well on um on Six Music and they're just very funny guys. I think I'm going to try and yeah. get them on one of these as well. Oh my god, you definitely have yeah, to. They've agreed to it. I just need to kind of um get the times and stuff. So, yeah, that'll be fun. Get them on warm doucher, definitely. <laughs> Sleeper mods, yes, yep. Again, like people, you know, talk about energy. They, I love their trajectory, and I, I love Jason on them um, on Twitter yeah. and Instagram as well. He's just so funny. Have you seen Baking Daddy? No. <laughs> he has this like <laughs> character called Baking Daddy, where it's like a bit Nigella Lawson, where he's kind of feeling himself up and going mixed butter like <laughs> and but he's making like really good stuff like really amazing cakes and brownies like he's really good at baking stuff but it's just he's got no shirt like bare chest and just an apron and it's very good i can highly recommend it 
<laughs> I can highly recommend it because like we've never I'll have a look at that. a massive guffaw and laugh at any any I know more than now. And if I could bring a band back, I yeah, would like on. to bring the Beastie Boys back. Oh my god, yes. Have you seen the documentary? Please. Not yet. I'm I'm like I'm waiting. I want a night on my own at home. My partner's yeah. been around and like yeah. she's not really a Beastie Boys fan. Oh. So I need to like a bit of conversion <laughs> therapy maybe. I need yeah, I like I need I you know, I need I need a case of wine <laughs> and Beastie Boys documentary on my own, okay, like in my pants and I'm happy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? No, I haven't been playing bass in my pajamas all day. What do you mean? I've been out working out like a demon. <laughs> You're right. You're right. You're right. Um. Uh. I mean, it's been so lovely to chat to oh, you. It's been so and, good to talk um, to you. Come back. Come back. I would love to any time, yeah. my dear. When, when we're allowed to go in, into the actual station, come on the show as well, and then um, do a thing in person. Yeah. And um, I would love that. I'm so pleased to hear that you're going to be on the Six Music a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. I don't know when I'll be back permanently, but for the time being, at least, filling yeah. in a bit. So, so that's good. yeah. Does it take a long time to put those shows together? Well, I choose my Sunday show. I choose all the music. Yeah. So it does take a bit of time, mm. but it's good time. Fun though, isn't it? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's really fun, and mm. so yeah. you know that's that's a joy. Yeah. And um, I wish you all the best and just Aww. you have my full support with everything you're doing as star of Night Star of London. Um, it's amazing to see what you're doing. And, Thank you. Um, yay. And I can't I'll see you on the dance floor I'll soon. See you on the dance floor. I'll see you at the bar first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is a promise. That is a promise. I will definitely keep you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thanks, it's been darling. Enjoy. I shall speak to you soon. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Bye.